0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Chris, and I'm joined just by Tom this week. Hi. Stu's off doing more interesting things, apparently. Although he has sent a (laughs) question, so he's involved in in one way or another.
1: He's going to be involved.
0: Uh, We are here to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix, which I've seen some mixed opinions of, but I thought that was a really entertaining race. I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I mean... It depends on what you compare it to, I think. If you compare it to other Canadian Grand Prixs, not necessarily the best one. We've had a lot of good ones over the years. But when you compare it to just processional, like, boring races, it was an entertaining one. So yeah, I think it depends on where you're holding the the yardstick that you're comparing it to, if I'm totally honest.
0: Yeah, that's fair. There's definitely, like... A little bit of a lull at one point. We had a bit of a a train, a bit of the spirit of Yarno truly came back for a little while. But uh... Uh,
1: there were elements of the train, though, that I found interesting. Like, there was a bit where you had nearly 10 cars kind of all within, what, a couple of seconds of the, the one at the front, which kind of, it was about like, there was a point where, like, Norris was involved in that, which I'm sure we'll get to, where, like, it was about who was going to be the bold person to pressure someone in front into a mistake or make a lunge. And there were one or two drivers trying to take advantage of that. And I found that interesting, yeah. even if yeah, others same. thought it was a little bit processional.
0: Yeah, same. And it was strategically interesting as well, I think, with him yeah. taking the softest tyres possible, it would force everyone into at least a two-stop, which um, won well, the majority of people into a two-stop, which also made things interesting. Yeah. But we'll start, as usual at the front, with Verstappen, who won again. Um, His fourth win in a row. It's his sixth win in eight this season now. Lots of records set this uh, race as well, or milestones, I guess. Um, It's Verstappen's 41st win in F1, which brings him level with Ayrton Senna. Um, So he's equal fifth most wins of all time now. Uh, It was also Red Bull's 100th Grand Prix win. They're only the fifth constructor to pass that total now. Um, interestingly, I've done that 100 wins with only five drivers winning races for them as well. Which is... Yeah. Uh, I think it shows f- the, the majority of them have had.
1: The majority of them is Verstappen or Vettel, that's probably why. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then
0: like handful for Ricardo, handful for Weber, yeah. handful for Perez. Um, also, I mean, obviously there's different ways of measuring this, but technically it's also Adrian Newey's 200th win as a designer of F1 cards as well, which is a ludicrous milestone. Yep. Um, But yeah, um, it was also Verstappen's biggest pole position margin. He was over 1.2 seconds ahead of the whole rest of the field, which is the biggest margin he's had all season. Uh, he's led every lap for three races in a row now. No one's done that since Vettel in 2012. In so fact, like... Verstappen has led every lap since lap 47 in Miami. Wow. That's the level of dominance we're talking about here.
1: There's, there's something like, is it 210 laps or something Is at now, I think? Something like that, yeah. like It's and quite chaotic. a high number, yeah.
0: Um, I mean, what can you say? It's just continues to look just utterly unstoppable. Um sixty-nine points clear of Perez now who we'll get to. You just kind of run out of superlatives when it's a period of dominance like this, don't you? Like
1: Yeah, I mean the guy's untouchable right now. Like it's yeah. just I'm I'm finding it hard to to look beyond him for a win. Like we we've talked about it already. The the only thing that can stop him winning at the moment realistically is something going on with the car or the team or something like that. Yeah. Like he's barely putting a foot wrong. And even when he, when he is, he's got that much in hand that it's not making a huge amount of difference. Like, I mean, jumping backwards a little bit, but you've only got to look at like the quality lap in Monaco, for example, where he, he had, he gained all that time in like literally two corners at the end of the lap. Like, yeah, he can he cannot be on his best form and still be on better form than the majority, if not <laughs> yeah. all of that grid, which is mental to think. And he's yeah, only 25. I mean, yeah,
0: ridiculous. Um, I mean, I guess we can kind of maybe jump ahead and talk about Perez now because obviously he. Went out in Q2, again, in the mixed conditions. Um, So he started 12th. He did the kind of reverse strategy of hards to mediums. But uh, actually, he also did a second stop to do softs at the end to get fastest lap. But um, like he only climbed from 12th to 6th. Whereas, again, if Verstappen had a bad qualifying and started 12th, you'd kind of still expect him to win because that's just what he does. And and Perry's just was she didn't have that i mean i've 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 seen over the last couple of days all of the usual red bull second driver is struggling. are they going to even see out of the season type headlines, and I think that's pretty premature, but he is going through a tough patch
1: yeah, and it, it's a shame because I think. As again, we've talked about previously that this run in the in the calendar in the schedule was like his to to stay in touch with and and you know potentially throw a fight throw a gauntlet to to Max and with races like Austria coming up next, um, like Silverstone Spa holland uh, holland i can't call it that kind of netherlands um, <laughs> example like with races like that i find it hard to to see where czechos going to outdo max at places like that yeah, i think totally. the o- the only one i can genuinely see in the next stretch before we start like heading towards flyaways again he's probably hungary like I just genuinely yeah. can't see him being competitive, or at least not to the level he needs to be, um, anywhere but hungry. And then after you hit flyaways, like Singapore is a is a street circuit, maybe. Maybe, um, yeah. But again, oh. then I'm starting to struggle. I mean, Me- Mexico home crowd, yes, but Max is good there too. So yeah.
0: And even he, even then it's those handful of races still aren't nearly enough.
1: Um Yeah, exactly. I mean he needs what three full race wins without back scoring to to just yeah. get level again now, doesn't he? That's the position he's finding himself in.
0: It doesn't feel like that long ago we were sat here telling people like the gaps are only like fourteen or fifteen points, like he's still in this, like he can still get yeah. back. And in the space of three or four races, it's just become a cavern. Um, yeah. Yeah, difficult times. He's obviously got um, work to do for Perez. He's obviously not happy with the way he's driving right now with the results he's getting. Um, really hope to see him bounce back in some fashion. But, yeah, as you say, that gap is just already looking insurmountable unless Verstappen starts having Bad luck, ultimately, is what's going to stop Verstappen at this yeah,
1: point. Yeah, that's it. And I guess to sort of lead into talking about Alonso next, I saw something over the weekend that was basically saying if you scored the championship without Max, as in, you know, a second down um, as the winner, <laughs> Alonso would actually be ahead of Perez at this point. Yes, I saw that as well, um, yeah. <laughs> which is very interesting. I mean, it's close as it is anyway, but I think it's quite interesting that had it not been for Verstappen just driving away with things, that it would be a slightly different story.
0: Yeah, so moving on to Alonso, um, obviously ended up starting on the front row for reasons we had to later on. (laughs) Uh, Lost second at the start, but he had the pace to reel Hamilton back in and pass him. this was actually the closest Alonso's finish to Verstappen all season. Um, after the, so he retook second not that long after the safety car, and the gap was two point seven. And by the end of the race, um, it was only nine point five, which is still a long way in F one terms, but that's far and away the closest he's been. Now, there's obviously yeah. there's a few factors at play here. On one hand, Alonso. Well, Aston Mine had pretty big upgrade package, which seemed to be working. However, Alonso was also nursing a potential fuel issue in the closing stages, so he was having to lift and coast. Yep. But then at the same time, Verstappen had a bird stuck in one of his brake <laughs> ducts and he yeah. was also very much cruising. So we don't it's hard to know exactly what the pace of those two cars were, but considering how big the qualifying gap was, the race gap definitely Even in the early stages, Verstappen didn't seem to drive away from people quite as quickly as we've seen in the past.
1: Yeah. Part of me wonders how much of that is uh, like, preservation from him and Red Bull of kind of being in a position of knowing now, like, I'm easily the quickest out there in combination with me and this car. Do I? I mean, Verstappen is not the kind of person to hold back. We know that, but is there an element of that creeping in that, like, he's he's not quite been at full throttle this weekend? Do you think
0: it's the um the Alan Prost approach, isn't it, to the win a race at the slowest possible speed and mm. bring the car home in as <laughs> good a condition as you can? Yeah, and yeah, I think there is a bit of that because I mean, they don't, there's no need for them to. There's absolutely no use in them going and driving that car flat out because a they're showing the hand and b it's just putting unnecessary stress on
1: components yeah i think it's a it's a bit of a flip-flop like a multiple personality for max like there's times where he wants to go gung-ho and wants you know to be the fastest regardless and then there's moments where he maybe has these realizations that yeah the team's right like i have the pace to to back off a little bit here and you know reserve something to to make the engine last longer and the the other components last longer so i think that more mature side of him i guess coming through that we've said that you you've sort of seen develop through his career maybe it's an element of that
0: yeah could well be um but that said, the upgrades on the Aston, at least at this circuit, did seem to be doing doing the business. Because yeah. uh, the worry was always that they start well and everybody else would gradually catch them up. But they do seem to be uh, keeping that car going the right direction.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, again, I'm just transitioning you early, but I think that Mercedes turned up here and showing that, you know, what they've done is looking like a good all-round update as well. I mean, we talked about what yeah, they needed sure. to show here to to prove that it wasn't like a, a flash in the pan in other places. So It's looking promising for them, isn't it?
0: Yeah, didn't have Alonso Pace, but still very much third-fastest team. Um, second podium in a row now for Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell was looking pretty good for P4 until he put it in the wall trying to chase Alonso. Um, yeah. Bit of a silly mistake. Um just it just seems to take way too much curb, mid corner and back end into the wall.
1: Um he so get the make... front and the back end into the wall. You hit it that yeah. hard.
0: And and he was actually able to rejoin the race after that. And then ultimately it was a break issue that put him out of the race,
1: finally yeah um, they were overheating so whether yeah whether it was related to like damage from that like damage to the brake ducts or something causing issues with the cooling but you could kind of see it coming for a while and to be fair yeah. to um julian palmer like watching it live on f1 tv coverage he called it quite quickly of noticing that um he was russell was pulling out of the slipstream of anyone he was following and sort of attributing it to, that looks like it could be brakes, like tyres look okay, other temps are probably going to be okay. He's quite possibly done some damage to brake cooling in his incident. And lo and behold, 10 laps later, or whatever it was, 15 laps later, he was retiring with brake issues. So, yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, second retirement of the season now for Russell. Uh, Drops him down to sixth uh, in the Drivers' Championship behind signs. Speaking of did did Ferrari did I just see Ferrari like do strategy well and have good tire wear?
1: Um good tire wear I think was the surprising bit. The yeah. strategy the strategy was mainly down to science, I think. Because <laughs> they definitely want him to do something other than what he ended up doing. Um but yeah whether they've whether they've found a source of the issue there or whether it's circuit specific is another matter, but they looked better they looked a lot better and i mean they were still probably what fourth fastest overall, but ended up finishing the race in a much better position with good race pace with good strategy and taking advantage of the the sorrows of others, which is quite surprising.
0: Yeah. Sarah in the chat's pointing out that they had some uh, guests from the Le Mans team with them there. So maybe yeah. that
1: explains a lot. Of Could things. well be. Got them on the strategy um, team.
0: I guess we should start by saying that their good result was despite qualifying,
1: which was
0: yeah. kind of botched. Um, I mean, it's like signs... the opposite
1: way around for Ferrari this yeah. weekend, really, because usually the one lap pace and the qualifying potentials there and the race pace is the problem or the tire wear is causing issues with the race pace and this weekend it felt like the other way around they botched all the qualifying but had a much better race experience
0: yeah signs is one of several drivers to get a grid penalty for uh blocking other drivers in qualifying yes and then leclerc ended up going out in q2 because they decided to leave him out on inters when everybody else was going faster on mm-hmm. slicks. And then it started raining again, they missed the window, which was just very silly. Um, But yeah, they both started on mediums. They were the only cars other than hard tyre runners who didn't pit under the safety car, which promoted yeah. them up to fourth and fifth. And yeah, they took the mediums past the halfway point of the race, yep. um, by which point they'd got enough of a gap to pit and hold fourth and fifth. Um, they definitely helped a bit by the kind of relative pace of everyone behind them was quite slow when they were sort of in that train for a while but even so that was that was a really good race for Ferrari I mean the fact that we're calling 4th and 5th for Ferrari a good race (laughs) tells a story of their season but even so um, yeah pretty good
1: yeah a result they needed that, that they can hopefully build on let's put it that way
0: Very much so. Um, Who else? We've done Perez. Let's talk about Williams. It's not very often we talk about Williams this
1: early in the podcast. Yeah, it's not often we get this good news, to be fair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Alex Albon. Um, First of all, he was fastest in Q2 in mixed conditions, um, which gave him P9 on the grid after the various penalties. Uh, He also pitted into the safety car. And then just stayed out on the hards. 58 laps he did on those hard tyres. Yeah. Um, The team just at one point not telling him how much longer was left in the race because <laughs> they knew he wouldn't like the answer. <laughs> um And yeah, held everyone off, finished 7th. Again, kind of helped by pace people behind. I think Russell being behind and being hobbled definitely helped for a while. But um regardless, such a good drive from Albon.
1: Yeah, I mean... The thing is, he was leading that train for a while, uh, the DRS train, and yeah, he wasn't giving up positions. Like it was being the lead car and being in a car that's sort of been notoriously towards the back of the pack for a fair while. You would have expected him to have been gradually swallowed up by everyone behind him, one by one. And I
0: think it was only really Perez that passed him, wasn't it? Uh,
1: yeah, the, I mean, I don't really remember. Well when you look at the the pack like he's got ocon behind him stroll behind him bottas doing doing well in a alfa romeo to be fair that uh, like still has question marks around it but then you've got like piastri and norris in the in their mclarens like there was a there was a whole host of talented drivers with what you would probably say are better cars behind him um so, to maintain the pace and keep them behind him with the tyre situation as well, I think I've got nothing but praise for that drive from Albon. Shows shows why he's where he is and why he got brought back to Formula One.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, Williams' best result of the season, uh, only their second points of the season as well since Bahrain. Uh, it actually moves them up ahead of Alpha and Constructors. Alpha Terry now rooted to the bottom. Williams up into ninth. Mm. Um, which we mentioned Sargent as well. He had a pretty pretty tough weekend. He was the only album that got the upgrade package. Um, then with all of the CCTV nonsense in practice one, it meant he missed out on a whole practice session of a track he's never driven at before. So Yeah. Not an ideal start. Ideal. Um, he actually started the race all right. He was kind of in the mix early on, but um retired quite early on with an oil leak, which was uh unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, Next down the road was Ocon. Ocon managed to hold off Stroll and the McLarens in the closing stages in that train to finish 8th, despite his rear wing just flapping around and wobbling all over the place.
1: Yeah, he was dangerously close to a meatball flag, I think. Um, I'm
0: so surprised he didn't get one.
1: I think, whether nobody noticed it before, the first time it came to my attention, I kind of... Not long before Norris pointed it out, basically, I thought I'd sort of seen what was a bit of a, you know, like a, a wobbly <laughs> rear wing on that car, but then just thought kind of nothing of it. Like maybe he just clipped a curb a bit hard, you know, like it, it looks like that sometimes. But then yeah. Norris pops over the radio saying the rear wing of this Alpine is all over <laughs> the place. It looks like it's going to fall off. And then you could see, like, even on the really long helicopter type shots. You could see it like down at ground level wobbling away. Like, yeah, it definitely shouldn't so be moving weird. that much. Shouldn't be moving that yeah.
0: much. So strange. Yeah, he got he got pretty lucky there, I think, to get away with that. Um mm. uh, McLaren. Um, another no points race for McLaren. Uh, They're second in the in a row, I believe. Uh, Norris finished in the points.
1: Sorry, but... I was just going to point something out about that. I'm... Go on. I need to fact-check this at some point, but it was said during the race that McLaren haven't had a points finish in Canada since 2014. And I was, like, mind-blown by that statistic. And then this weekend just adds to that.
0: I can believe that, to be honest. I mean,
1: we missed two, didn't we? Because we missed Mm. 2020 and 2021. So that's two of them. There was the Honda era... (laughs) 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 Where wouldn't have been scoring it, so you know, like when I look back at it logically, yes, it makes sense, but it was just one of those like by next year, that's a decade technically, that the, albeit with two races missing, but by next year that'll be a decade without points. Chats
0: are saying that Jensen Button was the last McLaren driver to score points in Canada. There you go, crazy. Um, they finished in the points this race. But Norris had a five-second penalty, I think it was, for unsportsmanlike behavior, which is, I don't remember ever seeing that as the penalty in Formula 1. Or not for a very, very long time. Um, Essentially, he backed up the pack under the safety car so the team could do a double stack. Um, But why they decided to call that unsportsmanlike behavior, I don't know. Normally I mean, they just say like driving too slowly behind the safety car. Yeah,
1: or the fact that I mean the the rule is that it should be a, a an X number of car length. What is it? So many cars Ten length. Car between, lengths, I think. between you and the next or oh, is that between you and the safety <laughs> car when you're the leading car? I bet do you know what? I'll bet this is someone one of those stupid FIA ambiguous rules that only applies to certain drivers in certain positions, so the, <laughs> the the rule, just the straightforward rule of did not maintain a 10 car length gap doesn't apply, so they've had to go around the houses to give a stupidly worded penalty for doing the same sort of thing. Yeah, but maybe. It just feels weird that it's got punished as it has here, but very rarely gets punished unless it's like blatant. and weirdly, I don't know if this was the same on all broadcasts, but I didn't even see a replay of it shown until after the race. It was after the race that they showed why you got the penalty from F1 TV coverage, from what I remember. Hmm. They didn't review it at the I time.
0: Know yeah, I know there's one in the highlights, but they may well have just like shoehorned that in afterwards. Yeah.
1: And I've got another gripe with it, actually. To be fair, I, I mean, in I mean, in theory, it worked out better for. McLaren and Norris to some degree but that happened on lap 19 if I remember rightly he then pitted at the end of lap 38 start of lap 39 somewhere like that and then he got given the penalty basically as he was exiting the pits it's almost yeah. like they let him pit to then give him the penalty afterwards like that took such a long time 20 laps to decide that yep he's definitely slowed down unfairly let's, let's give him the penalty like in, in the grand scheme of things it probably would have worked out better for him that he didn't get the penalty to serve during the pit stop because he then had less traffic to deal with because obviously it would put him behind more people. So he yeah. probably gained from it. But I just think it's stupid that it took 20 laps to make a decision on that.
0: Like, I don't have a huge problem with, in isolation, I think a penalty is probably warranted for that. But yeah, like the way it was, applied and took so long was just yeah very odd mm. Um, I mean I guess in McLe- say something positive <laughs> about McLaren like they both got through to Q3 they yeah. seem to have qualifying pace but even in the race they had like at times seemed to have pretty good pace but yeah it I didn't mean, quite work out for them
1: to be fair to them both two of the better overtakers all race between them yeah I can guarantee you that when it comes to Move of the Day in a minute, both of them are getting a nomination, if not multiple. For sure. So, Um, positives for McLaren there was the raciness of the drivers, given the situations they were in.
0: Yeah, still a big upgrade to come for McLaren, so nice soft stuff to hope for, at least. Uh, Has next. Um, Man. Hulkenberg sticking it P2 in qualifying oh, no. out of nowhere.
1: <laughs> um, and then the universe shamefully ripping it from him.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a shame he <laughs> threw it away by driving too fast under a red flag. Like, there, there seem to be so many drivers just getting like procedural things like that wrong um, so, during qualifying in particular.
1: I've not been back or watched any analysis of this how bad is it because to my knowledge he finished his lap under normal conditions and at just after he crossed the line is when the red flag came out so surely he's on a slow down lap anyway like regardless if it's a red flag and he's not going to be at race pace anyway like i just found it really odd that he's ended up with this penalty in the situation that he was in and i don't know if anyone's like other than me is going like Back and analyzed it in any detail.
0: Yeah, I mean there was just no reason for him to be going as fast as he was at that point. It was a, it was a pretty pretty silly thing to do. Um I mean ultimately I don't think he probably made much difference to their uh result. Um, once again, has to just have won that pace and no race pace whatsoever. All they do mm. is go backwards in races. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, he, where did he finish in the end? Holkenberg fifteenth, a lap down. Yeah. Um, I don't think the difference between second and fifth on the grid, or whatever it was, was going to make a huge difference to that.
1: Yeah, but with dropping the clutch at the right moment, he could have been like alongside Max Verstappen into turn one, which would have been hilarious. <laughs> or oh, you know
0: he'd have sent it into turn one.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: um couple of other bits before we move on to the awards no penalties for unsafe releases um Hamilton and Norris in particular yeah what did you make of those uh,
1: so the hamilton one initially i was i looked at it like oh that's a penalty but then when you see it from alonso's onboard it's it's not um in my opinion so i think the way Hamilton came out and Alonso reacted from the angle that you saw it from like the exit of the pits, like looking down the pit lane, it looked very much like an unsafe release. Um, But then when you sort of see all the angles together, I think it's fair. The Norris one, I am surprised he actually got away with that one because the difference in the two for me is like Alonso didn't have to make an adjustment for for Hamilton, whereas um, who was it? that? It it came out on was it Ocon uh, for um, Nice? I feel like it was Ocon.
0: One of the Alpines, maybe, yeah.
1: Yeah, but whoever it was had to lift. You heard, you heard the lift, and it's funny because, like, this is one of the races this season where Emily sat and watched the whole thing live with me, and she was weirdly she like got it straight away because she thought initially Hamilton was going to get a penalty. <laughs> And then I was sort of explaining to her, it'll depend, you know, if he's like impeded Alonso behind him. So could well be, but let's see. But then. With the Norris one, she was like, "Oh, Lando's going to get a penalty." I see what you mean. Like, I see the difference now. And she was like saying, "It's like when someone pulls out on about pulls out of a junction on you in the road. Like, <laughs> as long as they get up to speed and the, you don't have to slow down, it's fine. It's when they pull out and then the door toll, but It's a problem." Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good little analogy. But I think, I think even that shows that Lando is a bit lucky that someone who's yeah. only just learned how that rule worked looked at it and went. Ooh, I think he's gonna be in trouble <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you he, he got quite lucky there.
0: Um and then DeVries and Magnuson, like, after banging wheels for a few corners, just d- drove off the track together. I mean DeVries yep. just went in so deep and left basically left Magnuson nowhere to go. And they just both it was like one of the silliest offs I've ever seen in F one. Um, it was
1: clumsy, wasn't it? I, I so mean, clumsy. Would you put all the blame with DeFries on that one?
0: I mean, he was going up the inside and missed the corner and Magnuson essentially had to take avoiding action by yeah. just staying straight. So I yeah. think there was maybe an argument that DeFries should have got a penalty for that. But um Yeah. Very strange, very silly.
1: It was an odd one. And then the clumsiness yes. of having them both having to try and find reverse and carefully back out of that little um, sort of run off road. That's that's there. Yeah. And, and then one of the reverse
0: out in front of Verstappen leading the race as well. Yeah, yeah, messy. Uh, should we do some awards?
1: Yeah, let's let's look at this. I mean, I'm intrigued you on your thoughts. Today? I find it hard to look past Albon just because it's an unexpected result. Like. Yeah, Max has done a good job. He's he's led from the front. He's an extraordinarily long streak of laps led and so on and so forth. But I don't think there's anything like stellar in it. Like it was quite procedural. Um, Alonso and Hamilton both have very good drives, had a little fight between themselves. But again, like all fairly, you know, to procedure. The album one really stands out as being like, he's got that car somewhere it probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. And it's a way above the merit of the car.
0: It was a very Albon drive as well, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, like saving the tyres to get to that position and then holding on to them to defend, like very much an album drive. Very much.
0: I thought both the McLaren... It's a shame the McLaren guys didn't make sense of points, but I thought both of them, they were Good drives and very entertaining drives as well. Like that provided a lot of the the entertainment and the fun in that race. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it has to be that yeah.
1: one. That's good then.
0: What better move of the day?
1: Um, I mean, it's going to a McLaren for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, Norris at the hairpin was a pleasure all race, even if he didn't get yeah. the move done just knowing that he was so quick out of turn nine and getting that huge run on people into the hairpin and just having the stones to leave it so late as well. Um, Yeah. But always tidy and clean. Yeah, one of them on his own teammate. But yeah, he was always tidy and clean with it. Like he knew when it wasn't going to work and when he was beaten and went to back out of it. And I mean, you heard the crowd at that hairpin over over the laps where he was chasing people. Like... It was something spectacular for them to see. Like, I think you have always going to sit somewhere <laughs> at the Canadian Grand Prix. I'd sit somewhere near that head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- there was a number of them. Um, there was one, I feel like it was one of the Hassers that he went round <laughs> the outside of as well.
0: Yeah, he did Magnuson around the outside at turn one.
1: Yep. Um... That one.
0: Um, uh, there's also a Piastri got Hulkenberg at Turn One, which was good, but that was a slightly more conventional overtake. Um, yeah. So I think my pick is that Magnussen one at Turn One for Norris, if I had to pick one of them.
1: Oh, I'm torn now because I really liked <laughs> I really liked the one on Piastri at the hairpin. We can definitely was, agree either way. It's Norris because like, yeah, like. Oh yes, fair enough. There's an element of teammates maybe being a little more um, sort of giving each other a bit more elbow room in those scenarios. But I mean, Piastri gave him as little room as he possibly could. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like he was letting him by because it's his teammate. Like it was a battle no. for position. Um,
0: they were properly racing.
1: So yeah, a, a tight. Let let chat decide it. The first person in chat to dis. The, decide between one of those, and that that can be what the points go to. (laughs) There you go. Oh, Norris. That doesn't help Jose. (laughs) That does not help. (laughs) Norris on Piastri. There you go. There we go. There's your winner.
0: (laughs) Um, And then final award. A couple of things spring to mind. I mean... Ferrari's qualifying performance, especially just leaving the chlorine inters when everyone else was switching to slicks, was ridiculous. Yeah. Um. The DeVries of and off, which we just talked about, was silly. The wobbly wing.
1: <laughs> wobbly wing.
0: Um. I, th- I tell you what, I want to only give it to you though. Go on. So we turn up on Friday and they put a new wall at the exit of (laughs) of turn one around turn two. Um, And all the drivers were like, that's horribly dangerous. That means that when we rejoin, we have to rejoin halfway around turn two at 90 degrees to traffic. So the FAA went, oh yeah, don't worry. We've got this. We'll fix it. And they just removed one section of it, which made the wall about five foot shorter and if anything made the problem slightly worse. <laughs> like luckily like nobody as far as I remember went off at turn one the whole race. But man, that was ridiculous. It's fact yeah. That, like, yeah yeah, we hear you, we'll fix it. Like clearly you're not listening because you haven't fixed it.
1: That or another FIA related one really is cancelling an entire session because CCTV doesn't work. Like, I was sort of flabbergasted by that. Like, you're literally at a sport where every corner has at least one camera pointed at it. Every corner has at least one camera pointed at it. What is yeah. so important about the CCTV specifically that the whole session must be cancelled? Like, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> 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 just... It was. I mean, my reaction to, to you two when you were discussing it in the chat and you said, I can't believe I just cancelled the session for CCTV. I think I literally typed <laughs> <Yeah>. WTF. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's up there for me as well.
0: Yeah, that was, that was particularly bad, actually. We can, we can give it that. Yeah? It just, like you say, like, it's just it just sounds so utterly stupid, of all the reasons to cancel a, ses- a session.
1: Yeah. I mean, delay the start of it or something and, like, try and solve the problem and start it and only have, like, 40 minutes or something or, like, let it run a little bit longer, delay the schedule slightly. Surely there were better options than let's just cancel it because CCTV doesn't work. Just seems mental. Yeah. Re- re- just
0: re- like, there weren't even... Um as far as i'm aware there weren't support series going on either like maybe
1: i don't know because i've not checked the full schedule um i've not watched anything other than um the f1 um i think if there were any anything it was sort of american-based series probably or like like local stuff um Sarah in chat saying there was some local stuff going ah, okay. on, like n- none of the none of the let's call them usual support series like F two, F three, Porsche Super Cup, etc. Yeah. Were there, um, to my knowledge, anyway. So yeah, interesting that they uh, right, yeah.
0: Should we talk predictions?
1: Yes, um, a very interesting week. I mean, I feel like uh, that while this happens in this form. There's almost a guaranteed two points for most people, <laughs> unless they go a bit bold, like what I tried. I um, you. Yeah. So as someone his two points, though, I got 18 finishes right. Um, you got three points, Chris, for Verstappen, Verstappen, and uh, Sergeant as first DNF, uh, and Stu got a double points as well for the double Verstappen. Um, however, we got out of the listenership. A- full five out of five uh, so congratulations to tom hardesty as two races in a row now we've had a five out of five i believe congratulations second one of the season um so reach out to us however you can tom i will um contact you via the site anyway as i normally do but yeah get in touch with us another way if it's easier you have earned a full five out of five for the canadian grand prix um congrats in terms of everybody else, I mean there were a huge number of fours in there um most were the ambiguous Kevin Magnuson finishing position <laughs> um uh, slight shout out to in some degree to Christian Swodober, who I hope I'm saying that right um who basically almost got a five out of five but had Russell rather than Sergeant, and was probably hoping. Russell had retired when he hit the wall because I think that was before Sargent had gone out. Maybe I can't remember. But, Ooh, not sure actually. I can't remember the exact timeline of things, but very close nonetheless. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Another another insane week where, um, like two hundred and fifty people or something scored at least two points or more. So. A very big points haul uh over the course of this weekend and in terms of the overall standings that means benjamin claxton is at the top of currently with 19 points um and then there's a few people tied for second on 18 we've got ash foster james hunt and effortlessly um speaking of effortlessly i'm going to jump straight to grid rival because that's a name that we know from grid rival standings, mm-hmm. usually. So this week's grid rival winner for the Canadian Grand Prix was uh, Re which I, I love that name, <laughs> uh, with 1,082 <laughs> points. But effortlessly, uh, he's still at the top of that championship altogether on 8,009 so. Well done to you there, Lee. Uh, and then in terms of the F1 fantasy, the official F1 game, um Jose Silva was our winner this week with 272 points. And then in terms of like the overall standings, it's still as it was with the spinquisition leading the way there, Two hundred four, two 2,429 points there now. Um, if you want to get involved with any of this, whether it's predictions or the fantasy leagues or anything like that, just head to backofthegrid.com and you can sign up for the Predictions League. And There's also a little section on there that links to both of the Fantasy Leagues if you want to get involved with either of those. Um, And Predictions are always worth doing because as you've heard over the last couple of races, there's a prize if you get a five out of five. So join in. Should we finish with some inbox? Let's finish with some inbox. Uh, Keep me saying now. Stay, stay on. Uh,
0: shall I start us off? Yeah. Uh, first, from our very own Stu, who uh, sounds the big opinion klaxon. Hmm. Uh, I bang on this drum a lot, but we need better, more consistent stewarding. I felt the Norris penalty was a harsh and b inconsistently applied. Why would this transgression in inverted commas attract a punishment at one race and be overlooked at another? On the same subject, Sarah adds, Has anyone else ever been punished for creating a gap to be able to double stack? And then, in the interest of balance, McCheco says, Hey man, would butter melt in Lando Norris's nose? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm also in a bit of a minority here, but I do think, like, the rules say you can't do that. And he, like, Yeah. In, in isolation, he did a thing that is against the rules. It's hard to argue against that penalty. Is it a penalty that's applied consistently? Absolutely not. Um, I think I think some of the chat mentioned Bottas got a penalty or maybe got a warning for doing something similar um, a number of years ago when he was still at Mercedes. But it's not something that comes up very often. And like they all they all do each up to a point, don't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you. To be fair, I think that you know when it's when it's very clear it's been done, there is a penalty to be had because, like you say, it's a you know, it's a break of the established rules. But I think this needs to be like some sort of, um, I guess, marker for the rest of the season that if anyone was to do anything similar, they also got the same penalty. Um, and I'd also like to see it dealt with quicker, like they opened it up for investigation quite quickly from what I remember. And then as I was saying earlier, you know, it wasn't wasn't decided until 20 odd laps later and he'd already taken his pit stop. Like in in terms yeah. of that, like, although it favored Norris and McLaren, as I said earlier, that had a negative effect for anyone that was actually behind him at the time because they would have had an opportunity to be in front of him had he served that during a pit stop and not had to like... Uh, fight him to overtake it would have been more of a defensive situation that they were in so it could have completely changed the the context of some people's race in in reality Um, I mean you've only got to look at how many positions he dropped because of it uh, to, to see like how many other cars he'd have had to fight through in the first place to even be in contention with fighting for points so yeah I think stuff like that does need dealing with quicker especially when you've got cars in such close proximity to each other that it makes that big of a difference. Um, so, yeah, like I say, not, not necessarily got a problem with the penalty, just more how it's been handled overall. Yeah, totally. Um, moving on to the next one, uh, Bird Lightfoot says, hi, guys, really enjoyed listening to the podcast and played predictions game. Well, thank you, Bird. Um but I just wondered if the podium on Sunday is actually the highest in terms of number of championships with Hamilton on seven, Vettel on two and Alonso on two. That was 11 total. Uh, there must have been a Schumacher podium with other champions that might may rival that.
0: We've been trying to work this out in the Discord over the last couple of days and we have come to the conclusion that this is the most drivers championships there's ever been together on a podium. Um, there was one that I believe, I think Schumacher's only podium for Mercedes, which he shared um, with Hamilton. But Hamilton obviously had less championships to his name at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another one where I think Kimi, Hamilton and Verstappen shared a podium. But again, it was like before some of them won their championships. Um, but yeah, this, this, we're pretty certain this is the most there's ever been. Uh, And apparently they did it in Melbourne as well. He was the same top three, so
1: um, yeah, that's your answer. And I suppose as well, it depends on which championships you're counting, because there's plenty of constructors championships under Adrian Newey's belt that were. I was going to say, if you include Newey as well, it's yeah, (laughs) whole different count. Very long way. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
0: Next question from Cody B: Who would you rather see in Lance Stroll C to Aston Martin, and who would perform best? Danny Rick, Alex Albon
1: or Charles Leclerc. I mean, as a fan of the man, I would say Danny Rick. Um I think Albon would give it a good go as well though. Albon would be very interesting seeing a car like that. Um
0: mm, I think he could be good uh, there.
1: I don't I don't really want to see Charles moving there though. Like Charles could stay <laughs> at Ferrari, thank you. Leave him there. <laughs> He made his yeah, bed.
0: Of, <laughs> of those three, I think. Yeah, I think I'd like to see Albon get a shot in a in a in a team that's not part of the Red Bull family or or the back of the grid team that he's currently in. So yeah,
1: I'm gonna go Album. Fair. Uh Mike P says, Hey man, on paper the Canadian GP wasn't very exciting. However, it was an entertaining race to watch. Is this because it had good TV direction that showed a lot of the action live? Can bad TV direction make a race boring to watch?
0: So I think some of the Discord earlier on said this is actually the smallest number of overtakes um, there has been in a race this season, including Monaco.
1: Yeah, it was something like but 20, did, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. On, on, on track overtakes, on that track is track position. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it didn't feel like that at all. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I do think this season in general, I think they've been doing a really good job of TV direction. And this race in particular um, was was very good. Um, they're using sort of interesting camera angles. They seem to be like watching the right things. Like somebody made the point that um, like obviously helmet cam, which they often just cut to just because we've got helmet cam, let's show it. Whereas mm-hmm. this race, it felt like they used it, in an interesting way, at interesting points, like there was one of um one of Norris's overtakes where you saw the build up from the outside. They cut to his helmet cam in the braking zone, yes. and then cut back to an external shot, yeah, for the rest of the corner, which worked really well. And it's not just using the cameras you've got for the sake of them, it's actually giving it some thought and using them in interesting ways. So, yeah, I think they're doing a really good job from that side of things this shit.
1: It's like they've put someone who understands motorsport and racing in charge of directing the cameras instead of just a general director who doesn't yeah. understand motorsport and racing. Uh Next question. Is it me or is it you? I thought it was you.
0: Oh, is it me? It's me. I'll Are do you it. Sure? <laughs> Next from Adam Busby. Hey man. Without the damage on Alonso's car, do you think there could have been a closer fight during the race? Max didn't drive off into the sunset like previous races. Uh, and what could this mean for the
1: second half of the season? Hmm. Interesting. I think there's a combination of that, isn't there? There's there's an element that Alonso was definitely fuel saving for whatever reason whether that was because of an issue or because of them like fueling the car light for for pace it doesn't really matter the reasons like we know that he was doing that and i think max and red bull took that as an opportunity to like kind of coast a little bit themselves so it would mm-hmm. be very interesting to see them both at full pace um But I think Max and Red Bull had enough in hand that had Alonso been at full pace, they could have probably responded and maintained the gap they had. I feel like Aston are getting closer, but not close enough that they're like a a huge threat right now. Although, having said that, you've only got to look at um, where Perez is compared to Alonso, I suppose, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just think there were too many variables this race to draw any massive conclusions from it. Yeah. But the Aston Martin upgrade does seem to be...
1: A good one. A good one, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, next one, uh, Z gooddad says, uh, DeFreeze versus Magnussen battle looked dangerous. Should DeFreeze have been penalized for cutting off Magnussen going into the corner?
0: I think he probably should have. Um... I th- yeah, I
1: think there should have been something, probably. But mainly because of, like, how... Um, like, the sort of the dangerous bit of it, I would say, is the way that they end up having to rejoin the circuit. Um <laughs> yeah. Like, reversing down that slip road and back into... I mean, to be fair, they managed to sort of almost three-point turn it to some degree, like, kind of reverse it round and then rejoin the track forwards. But as you point out, Chris, like, one of them pulled out pretty much in front of Verstappen as he was um, heading into the breaking zone for that chicane so it's not wasn't ideal uh,
0: and it just felt inevitable as well the way they'd been like banging yeah. Wales for two or three corners beforehand like the whole thing was just pretty poor all round but I think if you had to apply blame De freeze is definitely where you'd
1: be looking I would say yeah I'd say so
0: uh final question this week from Peter Willington uh I think this weekend we saw four world class drivers show the difference between them and their very good teammates. The three on the podium are obvious, but who do you think is the fourth and should <laughs> maybe be looked at for another top uh shot at a
1: top team? I think what's interesting about this is. Peter clearly has a fourth in mind, but wants yeah. us to provide it. There's no like sub part to that question that says, just so you know, this is my opinion. There's just a... Uh, there was clearly four. Who was the fourth? <laughs> it's like a riddle. Um I mean, I-, I think Norris is one of them. And I think he meets Norris the as other, well. To be but fair. W-
0: would you describe uh Logan Sargent as He's very good teammates. I'm
1: not sure you well, would. There, therein lies the reason I jumped to Norris first because yeah. Despite the penalty situation being a bit of a smudge on the overall performance, the rest of it was stellar, and Piastri also had a very good race. And when you compare the two, like that, it's just like that, that little step above. Um, but I mean, album was a very good drive, so I think he's probably in. In contention up here, I, I can only imagine that the comment is directed at Norris, but I think yeah. so. Um,
0: both Norris and Piastri are driving so well this season.
1: Yeah, and bearing in mind Piastri is a rookie.
0: Yeah, it's a shame the car is where it is because he's having yeah. very very good. Well, I mean it's it's not a huge surprise. Like anyone who watched the junior series know what piastri can do so it's not a huge surprise in the world but it's still nice to see that he's having as good
1: a time of it as he is yeah definitely
0: and that about brings us to the end this week so thank you everybody as ever for listening and for watching um if you're watching on youtube do all the the good stuff like subscribe comment, all those things. Um, we haven't been getting many inbox questions through YouTube comments yet, but, um, feel free to drop questions on the YouTube videos and we'll pick them up for the next episode. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can also, uh, contact us through the website, backgrid.com which is also where all of the predictions league stuff is, as well as links to our grid rival and fancy F1. We're also on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, all of that stuff. Uh, if you want to find out about our Discord, you can go to patreon.com forward slash backofthegrid and see how to get involved there. But I think that is all the things. So we'll be back in a week's time to preview the Austrian Grand Prix, the Austrian Grand Prix. Yes. Which I believe will be the first sprint race of this. No, it won't. I think it'll be the second sprint race of the seasons because we had one yeah. in Baku, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, so we're back in a week's time to preview all of that stuff. But until then, thanks again for joining us and goodbye. Bye, everyone.